1: Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet.
0: Welcome everyone again to The Full Ratchet. As mentioned on Wednesday, today is our very first special investor segment called Why I Passed. My goal is to release one of these special segments every couple of weeks and to keep them bite-sized and much shorter than the topic episodes. So in general, they'll be closer to 5 to 15 minutes total instead of the 35 minutes to an hour for the topic discussions. Today's investors include Brad Feld, Ann Winblad, and Gabriel Weinberg, each addressing their own unique situation in which they chose not to invest. First up is Brad Feld. So our special segment series is called Why I Passed. Can you tell us a story about a startup that you evaluated that you did not invest in and why it was that you passed?
1: Sure. Early stage investment. So a seed investment in a company that was started by a professor and she had a co-founder and the co-founder was CEO and the professor was the CTO. And it was her work that she had done, you know, from a research perspective. And, you know, as we got into it, I was, I was very excited about what they were working on. I was a uh, core technology. I like the people. I was not convinced that this, the person who was the CEO was long-term CEO. And rather than play a bait-and-switch game in that situation, I generally talk about that before I make the investment. You know, I thought the person who was in the CEO role could be, you know, a strong participant and contributor to the business, but didn't feel like uh, she was CEO. They had a third co-founder who seemed like it was more of a person who had attached themselves to the business versus really being a co-founder. So, you know, there was, a, there was some discussion about team dynamics. And as we got into it, I was very open on my side. So whether that was good for them or not, I don't know, but <laughs> probably wasn't. Uh, But, you know, I I just view that as my way. I don't want there to be any surprises and I want them to want to invest, take my investment as much as I want to invest in them. And as we got into it near the end, so we were really negotiating the final documents. There became a, a huge number of asks around vesting provisions and, you know, acceleration and employee contracts and stuff like that, which clearly, you know, was a reaction to me being clear about my point of view. And, And then there became some stuff around the IP that was from the professor and what happened and who kept it and whether the company kept it or whether she kept it. And it really got to the place where it was clear that they were really struggling with whether they wanted to to take the money or not or do this deal or work together. And I had a direct conversation with the entrepreneur. And at, at some point I said, I'm not sure that I, I passed in this case so much as they decided not to go forward with the deal. But I, th- I think it was both. And in that case, they had a company that was nascent. They hadn't raised any money. And I did it as gracefully as I possibly could. I paid for their legal fees. And I just said, let's call it a day. You know, Hopefully we've all learned something from this uh, and, and off you go. And you know, about six months later, they dissolved the company, you know, the relationship between the three people uh, evolved kind of the way I'd expected. And that entrepreneur ended up starting a new company, again, based off of her work. And I'm not an investor in that company. We never really engaged around it. So, you know, I don't know whether I would have been or not. And I'm happy that she got the company that she sort of had a dream about up and going and and finance is doing something different than that first company from four or five years ago, but still based on, on her research. So I, you know, that's one that sticks out in my mind. I, I just had another situation like that, not one that I am I was directly involved in, but one that you know I know the people involved, both the entrepreneurs and the angel investors that just fell apart at the 11th hour because of almost exactly the same dynamics. So it's at some level, it's a trust issue between the entrepreneurs and the investors. And- I like to believe that the more open and direct the investors are in advance, the easier it is for the entrepreneurs to process whether they want those investors. And if for some reason an entrepreneur doesn't want me as an investor, that's fine. I've got lots of things to invest in, and I absolutely do not want to be somewhere where I'm not wanted. I think the worst thing that can happen is that people don't say what's on their mind and how they're approaching things and what they're thinking about or concerned about, and then you do get in a situation you know, where you've invested and then something plays out a certain way and there's contention, that, that generally sucks pretty bad.
0: All right. Our special segment series is called Why I Passed. Today, we have Ann Winblad with us. Ann, can you tell us a story about a startup that you evaluated that you did not invest in? and why it was that you passed.
2: We sometimes call these passes sins of omission, because if we used our hindsight, we should have invested. And I will use one of my sins of omission, a company we should have invested in, that we passed on probably five times. In the mid-90s, a really fantastic entrepreneur, and he's heard me tell this story before, so I can use his name, named Vialon. And he's become a great serial entrepreneur as well. Started a company called Net Manage, And Steve he had heard that we were focused on software and really understood enterprise software, so came to pitch us. He has tremendous energy. He's hardworking. And he actually already had his software built and was bringing it to market and needed a bit more money, but had not taken any venture capital. Perfect for an A-round investor like us. So he was selling a piece of software called TCPIP Connector, a core piece of the internet and a core piece of the software stack that was needed at the time. And he was selling it um, via phone. We heard him pitch and thought, wow, this is a great entrepreneur. And then John Hummer and I went down to his little tiny office, which John will remember had no air conditioning because it was hot. And he had his people could call him and order the software. We were at his office for an hour, and the phone just kept ringing and ringing and ringing. He got sweatier and sweatier and sweatier because he's trying to give us more information while he's taking orders. (laughs) And we walked out of there and go, wow, people are really buying this stuff. And here's where we made a real mistake. We went and called the bigger software companies. We called IBM. We called Microsoft. We called Sun Microsystems, a company at the time which is now part of Oracle, and said, hey, are you guys working on this product? Because we thought, look, he's going to get killed, you know, soon by one of these other companies. And every one of them said, we have a project, and we're almost done. We said, well, how long have you been working on this project? And they said, oh, two years, three years, we've got 35, we've got 40 engineers. So we went back to see him and said, you know, we love you. It's amazing what you're doing. But we did some due diligence, and they're all coming after you. And he goes, come on, they don't have anything yet. And I go, yeah, but they're close. And Steve goes, okay. You know, then Steve went and pitched to some other venture capitalists and he got a term sheet and he came back and he goes, look, I want your money instead. I like you guys. I think you'd be better for me. And so we did some more due diligence, came back with the same story to Steve Alon and said, no, we're not going to invest. Actually, Steve came back to us two more times and we said, no. NetManage became a runaway hit. Oh, wow. And it became a public company. So our learning there was it was a large market. We should have looked at that due diligence as telling us, yeah, we should all be in this. We should have listened to Steve said, well, how long have they been working on it? Why don't they have anything yet? Ultimately, over a long period of time, they all got there. And NetManage, as a public company, had to kind of renew itself. But by this time, Steve, the investors, public market investors, had all made a lot of money with NetManage. So well, that was a good lesson for us. It's fairly early in our funds. It was We were in our second fund. We're investing our sixth fund now. There's something to be said about having who should you listen to, the entrepreneur or the establishment. And you have to listen to both. But it's really, really hard to figure out who's right. In this case, we picked the wrong answer. It was like we got an F on that test. So we should have invested in Steve. We would have loved working with him. We've all become good friends since that time, but you know he made the money on his deal. We didn't. So that is a classic story of how venture capitalists are as imperfect as anyone and how sins of omission have to be rethought. We go at the end of every year and look back two years and say, why did we pass at that deal that's now become successful? And it could be that the company pivoted to something completely different so our past was appropriate. But if it's a case like NetManage, we spend an adequate amount of time and self-flagellation to make sure we learn our own lessons.
0: (laughs) This episode of TFR is brought to you by Brex. Your startup is going to change the world, and the right corporate card will get you there even faster. The Brex corporate card for startups offers 10 to 20 times higher limits than traditional corporate cards, automated expense tools, and huge rewards like four times points back on travel, three times back on restaurants, and two times back on recurring SaaS spend and all with no personal guarantee. Sign up at Brex.com and get waived card fees for life with the code TFR. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Assure. For over three years, Newstack has been raising capital on a deal-by-deal basis, allowing individual investors to select each startup investment. Assure is the company behind the scenes that powers this process. When we have 10, 20, or 30 angels investing in a startup, we can't put all those folks directly on the startup's cap table. So those investors are rolled into a special purpose vehicle that occupies just one line item on the cap table. And Assure handles all ongoing fees, finances, and K-1s for us. We pay a one-time upfront fee and avoid all the required yearly admin filings and bills. If you run an angel group or you would like your LPs to invest in deal-by-deal sidecars, go to assure.co TFR for 20% off your first SPV. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. All right. For this installment of our special segment called Why I Passed, we have Gabriel Weinberg. Gabriel, can you take a few minutes to tell us a story about a startup that you've evaluated that you did not invest in and what the main reason was for passing?
3: Right. And so I remember the stipulations about this is we shouldn't name the startup, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Um, yeah. So I, I wrote a blog post about And I use this, I use this as an example just because I think it's probably different than the other examples you're getting. Um, but I wrote this post about how the investors often decide, you know, you can trace back their decision to the first email that you send them or the first interaction, which often cases is email. And, you know, they're justifying their decision to say no after that. But oftentimes that fit happens almost right away. And so you can really botch that first email (laughs) very easily. Yeah, And great examples of that are sending really long walls of text, essentially not being cognizant of how people like to read and respond to email or just being kind of rambly and, and, and you know not concise a lot with, with what your idea is or not having a good call to action of what you're asking from the person. All the, there, there's a lot of ways you can just kind of mess that up. And I've passed on a lot of startups just because it just didn't seem like they were together enough to send a decent email i know that can kind of sound harsh but that's kind of the reality
0: thank you for listening to the very first special investor segment today as always if you like these special segments send me a note on twitter or the blog and i will continue to release them if you're finding some value in them the site is fullratchet.net my twitter handle is at the full ratchet until next week remember to over prepare choose carefully and invest confidently oh, 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 oh